Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm your host, Nate Meyer. Remember just a few weeks ago when we were all hunkered down in a polar vortex? With the recent spring temperatures, it may seem like a distant memory, but there may still be some winter left in Minnesota. March is often one of our snowiest months. So we're excited to talk in this episode with Joe Valefsky from the Wolf Ridge Environmental Learning Center about exploring nature and winter landscapes. He joined me a few weeks ago from a sunny spot near the Baptism River in Finland, Minnesota, while the weather was still frigid. Joe does a great job in this episode of bridging our winter landscapes into the beginnings of spring. He'll also share some ideas about where you can learn more and get involved. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So this is a podcast all about exploring, teaching about, and helping to conserve our natural resources. Tell us a little bit about your background in the Wolf Ridge Environmental Learning Center and how your work there involves exploring, teaching, and conserving. Uh, well, I'm out in the woods right now in winter, and that's what I spend most of my time doing here at Wolf Ridge is, is being outside. And I've been a naturalist here since uh, the late 80s and been able to work with uh, students of all ages. Mostly I work with graduate students and teaching them how to teach outdoors as well as how to learn outdoors because I think the two go hand in hand. Perfect. Tell us a little bit about Wolf Ridge. So Wolf Ridge uh, is a residential environmental learning center on, uh, on the shore of Lake Superior, sort of. We have some land down on Lake Superior. The campus that I'm at right now is inland a couple miles, a couple thousand acres here. And uh, we cater to schools from all over Minnesota, uh, North and South Dakota, Wisconsin, and, and sometimes Iowa. Uh, that, that school kids come here, spend a week. Uh, sometimes it's a smaller stay for about three days. Anyway, they, they stay in our dormitories and learn about the outdoors. And they learn about the outdoors, whether that be uh, through the natural sciences or through the arts, uh, through history, uh, just about any way that you can learn about the outdoors. There's a lot of physical activity as well, like snowshoeing and skiing in the winter. We're talking today about nature in winter, a landscape you're pretty familiar with as a naturalist in Minnesota's North Woods. What can you tell us about the necessity of cold in winter in Minnesota? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Beyond just resetting my body, uh, it resets all of nature around here. I think about the North Woods, and, and to me, the North Woods is a little bit further inland, Lake Superior tempers uh, us right where we're at right now. But if I were to go two miles further inland, the forest is mostly balsam fir and spruce. Now, of course, there's other trees there as well. But right now, I'm along the Baptism River outside, and there are some sugar maples around me. Inland, very few, if any, sugar maples. So what happens is that that cold uh, makes it possible uh, for certain species to thrive and actually to dominate because they're the only ones that can survive just recently. In fact, I think last night it got down to minus 50 something degrees, not wind chill, just normal temperature uh, in Ely. And so I know that between here in Finland and uh, Ely that it was minus 50 degrees last night. Trees like uh, sugar maple, for example, they can't survive that temperature and uh, that it, it it's all about cells freezing that up to about minus 40 
sugar maples and some other trees that do grow around here can survive just fine, surprisingly. But when they get to colder than minus 40, their cells burst. And so they're not able to survive those temperatures. But the balsam fir and the spruce, they are able to survive. And so they end up dominating that scene. So, so I think about the necessity of cold just to make sure the forest is what it is. And so it's necessary for my heart <laughs> that I love those cold temperatures. They remind me that I'm alive. And then it's also necessary for the Northwoods to keep it ecologically sound. I know you've been recently posting some great close-up pictures of snowflakes and other winter natural phenomena on your social media pages. What are some of the mechanics of nature in winter that are worth getting outdoors to look at more closely? Oh my gosh. Just to stop during a snowstorm, to stop and look at your arms, uh, you know, not at your arms, at the snow landing on your arms and, and to look at that up close. What I'll do sometimes is I'll take my little point and shoot camera and I'll hold it as still as possible and take a close up picture of the snow that's landing on my arms. And then I can take that and zoom in and look at the various shapes of the snowflakes, whether they're needles, which form in certain weather conditions or those, those uh, dendrites, you know, the, the classic snowflake shape. You know, I was mentioning about the fact that uh, certain trees here, that what they'll do is they'll supercool. Supercooling is when the liquid inside their cells doesn't have the ability to freeze until it gets to minus 40 or colder, which sounds crazy, right? But that liquid needs something to freeze to. And so snowflakes, actually what happens is that it's, it's the, the gases that are up there that are super cooling and turning into a solid right away. They don't go through that liquid phase to reach that. But the only way that they can do that is if they have a dust particle that they connect to. And the same thing goes with those supercooling cells, that they need some sort of a particle inside the cell to freeze onto, which is just shocking to me uh, that that's what's going on. But to look at those crystalline shapes as they're on my sleeve there is amazing. Sometimes you can tell uh, what is going to be happening. So it's almost like forecasting uh, the, the next hour or so of your snowstorm. But mostly I just like to look at the shapes and, and the variety of names like the spatial dendrites and the plates and the columns and the needles and, and grapple. Grapple is, is basically those little snowballs that come down and hit you. They don't have the snowflake shape, but they are snowballs actually because it's snowflakes that are bouncing around up in the sky and they hit each other and they form snowballs and eventually fall on you. So you can get a sense of what's going on way up there where the snowflakes or the snowballs are forming. What about tracking in winter? Are you also paying attention to uh, signs that animals are moving in and around the landscape? Yeah. Uh, so as it was about minus 50 degrees, I was out uh, walking early in the morning, just yesterday morning, and seeing all the mouse tracks that were out in the snow that weren't there the day before. So clearly they were out running around at, in the night and, and surviving. And, and it just reminds me that all this life is around us. And regardless of the temperature, it just keeps going on and on. Okay, those mice are living underneath the snow where it's insulated and come up to the surface just periodically. They're not dumb. They know that they can't survive out here all the time. So they're down there. But it's fun to be able to watch those stories. Uh, the place that I'm at right now, I was following some fox tracks for a little while. That fox ended up uh, going and, and urinating every once in a while, leaving a scent. 
this is the time fox are going around marking their territory, getting ready for mating as well. Uh, there's a lot of action going on here. And besides just the tracks in the snow, it's amazing. I was listening to a raven before you and I ended up connecting the, right now, and, and that these ravens are getting ready to nest. I think a bird's is nesting like in May or June, but ravens? No, they're getting ready to nest here at the end of February, beginning of March. That's when they start to nest and lay their eggs. So again, there's so much going on. And the tracks uh, are one way to be able to connect to that story. So it's midwinter 2021, and the pandemic is still impacting our programs all across the University of Minnesota and the state and even the country. But there's also been a renewed excitement about teaching outdoors and learning outdoors. What can you share about teaching and learning outdoors in the winter? <laughs> it's so surprising to us all that we can survive and actually do that, right? I think that's just getting outside and recognizing that we can connect to nature, that there's all this life going on all around us is a surprise. And to find that one spot where you can get into that sun and warm your body. Oh my gosh, the warmth of the sun is so nice right now, Nate, um, that, that it just it brightens my day. And so I think that teaching outside can brighten your students' day, regardless of how old they may be. But, but I think that, that teaching outside, it's important to pay attention uh, to what's going on. I mean, like I said, it was minus 50, uh, that, that you need to keep moving. You need to cover your skin. You need to make sure that you don't get frostbite. Just just the other day, I was also looking at the National Weather Service, and they said it was life-threatening cold. And I was thinking to myself, life-threatening? The Northwoods wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that. This is life-giving cold. The goodness gracious, it, it ends up providing the opportunity for it to be able to thrive and survive in that environment rather than getting out competed. And so I think that, that if we can change that mental model, that it's not necessarily life-threatening, but that this is a great opportunity to, to see that life is all around us, uh, that we can just learn from the cold. So, Jill, where can our listeners learn more about or get involved with learning and teaching about nature in winter? Well, right now, as I think about it with teachers, uh, there's an organization called Teach Outdoors Minnesota, and that we've been doing uh, weekly workshops on Wednesdays uh, to help teachers to recognize that they can teach outdoors and to give them uh, some uh, ideas, uh, some practical applications, uh, so some curriculum, a uh, variety of ways to be able to teach outdoors. So I think about teachers in that way. And then I think about uh, the variety of uh, Facebook organizations with uh, phonology. And so phonology is the tracking of the seasons. And that I think about so many people that are connecting with that and sharing those stories, that it's about sharing those stories regardless of where you're at. So across the state of Minnesota, in fact, across all of North America, connecting with phonology. So uh, Nature in Winter, Stokes Guide, uh, that's a really great book. It's an old book, but goodness gracious, the things that they cover are timeless. And I'll mention one more, that there's a, a new edition of uh, Minnesota's Natural Heritage that just came out. And, and I know that they added a lot of new things having to do with um, all of Minnesota, the natural history, but they also added some new things in there about the seasons. On a personal note, I know you are an avid naturalist who has enjoyed plenty of opportunities to explore your winter landscape. What are you going to be looking for in the next month or two? Well, so after this deep cold, then typically that's when we start to get some 
more significant snowfalls. So I'm looking forward to looking closely at the snowflakes. I'm looking forward to following the ravens that are nesting on the cliffs around Wolf Ridge, that every year I go and I find their nest and, and track them. And this particular winter, I think I get to watch them a little bit more closely. Oh, we've been banding chickadees. And not only have we been putting Fish and Wildlife Service bands on them, but we've been putting also a radio tracking band. So it, it doesn't have a radio that it signals from far away, but whenever that chickadee goes and lands at a properly uh, situated feeder that has the receiver on it, that it records that the chickadee landed at that feeder. And so we can figure out individuals. I'm looking forward to learning more about how often a chickadee visits a, a bird feeder. <laughs> it seems like they visit it a million times a day. Do they actually? I don't know that yet. Uh, at the end of March, I'm looking forward to the return of peregrine falcons. They come back last week of March, first week of April, every single year. And that this particular year, I feel like I'm going to be able to monitor their nests a little bit close, closer as well. I'm looking forward to those things. Last question. What is a hashtag or a brief message that you wish would really take off right now? Like millions of people are sharing it. So that's a great question. I'm so committed right now and excited uh, to Teach Outdoors Minnesota that I would say hashtag Teach Outdoors Minnesota. And, and yet maybe I'd take the Minnesota off that and just leave it teach outdoors that, that I've been connecting with teachers all over North America, uh, whether they're in Tennessee or California or Minnesota and, and finding out that teachers have been really enjoying being outdoors and that they looked at it as a, um, I'll say a necessary evil in the beginning of the school year, because they wanted to be able to be with students and it was, uh, safe really only if they were outdoors but they have found that that it's it's a great way to connect with uh, your learners and to take those those concepts that we've been learning and put them into a real life experience. It's about experiential learning, and so teach outdoors would be the thing that I would hope uh, would be the hashtag. <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the ETC. Huge thanks to Joe for joining us. Visit wolf-ridge.org to learn more about the Wolf Ridge Environmental Learning Center, where Joe is a professional naturalist. You can also visit fieldnotesjoevaleski.blogspot.com to follow Joe's personal nature observations and adventures. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2021. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk, while gardening, or while sitting at your desk. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know that you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. You can also subscribe to ETC on any of your favorite podcast services. Look for us and subscribe to make sure you always know about our latest episodes or listen to our past episodes. We look forward to sharing another episode soon. In the meantime, we hope you stay safe, be healthy, and enjoy nature and place.